Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Not Rocket Science, the show that talks about the intersectional relationship between business, technology, and culture. I'm your host, Sean. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you guys are doing well. It is a rainy day here in New York City. Uh, Overall, though, the temperature is pretty good. It's about 50 or so. Um... So I can't really complain, can I? It should be a massive snowstorm. There shouldn't be rain. It's the middle of January, for crying out loud. Or I guess the end of January. Wow, that's fast. We're already a month in. Oh, my God. Um, But, yeah, can't complain too much. Um, A little hungry right now. I'm about hour 17-ish in on my intermittent fasting. So I'm going to be eating something after this for sure. Probably barbecue. All right, anyway, on today's episode, I wanted to talk about something that came up organically in my workplace, and I feel like these are kind of the best things to talk about, things that hit you in real life, and then you come on this microphone and you just explain, analyze, digress, etc. Um, so, one thing that happened to at work is I work at a place where... We have a private brand. We have our own brand that we make our own products. Or we uh, get products sourced to us and then we brand them ourselves because we work with different um, companies and give our specifications. They create for us, etc. A lot of these are food products. We also have our own wines, things like that. It's in the food space. So... One thing that I noticed the merchandising team likes to do is on Slack. Actually, we're cheap and we don't even have Slack. We have MS Teams. I pray for anyone that has to use MS Teams. I do not like it. It is not good at all. The only thing good about it is all your calendar. If you use Outlook, all of it's kind of immersed into like one application. So you can see your calendar right in Teams. Um, Unlike Slack, because if you have Slack, you likely have Gmail and google calendar and all that stuff but that aside the actual interface itself is kind of garbage but anyway on ms teams not to go on a tangent the uh the merchandising team from time to time likes to put up various versions of packaging designs of their new products and then basically ask the rest of the company which ones they like the best And they have a little survey, but a lot of people generally just write in the Teams thread which one they like. And usually just, it's like one, two, or three. And on a rather mundane Friday afternoon, kind of waiting for the weekend to get going, I was staring at my screen looking at these packaging designs. And uh, I had a minute. I had a minute to kind of weigh in. Um, 
I used the survey because I followed instructions. I followed instructions, Oleg, who just wrote everything in the thread. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Oleg. Um, no, I, I wrote in the actual Google link that they provided. Um, I, I, I told my bosses, I'm like, I'm going to go in because I do design, as I mentioned a million times on this podcast. I do product design. I'm like, should I just be kind of a jerk about this and give them a full-on design critique of each version and explain with like a pure design lens which one I like and like utilize design thinking and all that and he was like sure go for it so I went for it and that's what I did um I went in I wrote this long thing in their google uh survey link about why I like one versus the other. I even made mock-ups, uploaded them, and gave them a link to sh- explain my my thinking. So yeah, I just for whatever reason it got me, and I just went in. And um, I also just looked at the feedback they were getting from other people, the preferences people were having, uh, the lack of explanation behind their preferences, etc. And it just led me into this thought process around branding. Um, particularly branding for e-commerce companies in 2020, what that means, why certain brands make the decisions they're making, why they don't sometimes um, make the most sound decisions, one could say. And then also this explosion in general of the value of packaging as a market differentiator. I mean, if you look at, for example, like the craft microbreweries, and if you go to Whole Foods and the entire beer selection they have and how all of these smaller beer companies have exquisite packaging design that just destroys, you know, some of the top dogs in the industry. Um, but they don't have the lineage. They don't have the heritage tied to their brand. They're all new brands, so they got to invest in other ways to get people's attention. And design can be a very effective way of doing that. But I'm starting to see that scale to all kinds of food products or products in general. But you know, even things like baking yeast now have fancy packaging. Um, and I feel like how things work in general, you know, there's a lot of trend hopping. Um, the trend of actually investing in design for these types of products is one thing. And then within that, a lot of the design trends themselves, you know, flat design, uh, adding new colorful fresh palettes to old design patterns that are tied and are synonymous with like heritage and industrial and utilitarian you know all that brooklyn stuff um that's another trend that you see so there's all these trends within trends and um what i want to talk about today is kind of break down i'm not going to break down what i wrote internally at my company for their design critique but kind of my thoughts overall and my approach when writing that critique. I'm going to talk a little bit about the idea of packaging design in 2020 for particularly for e-commerce brands um, that are trying to do the e-commerce thing, trying to sell their, you know, coconut creamer or whatever and create a brand and do the e-commerce hustle. Like some tips when it comes to if you are going as far as designing your own packaging. And this doesn't even need to be for packaging necessarily. This could also be you're just branding in general on your website. Um, but 
this is coming on my end from a packaging standpoint because this feedback I was giving that sparked this whole uh, internal monologue in my head came from packaging design from uh, a private label. So the first thing that I noticed, at least with the brand that my company's created, is a lack of, this is point number one, a lack of consistency from product to product. Um, sometimes at these companies, what happens is there's different merchandising teams. So like there's like a wines team, wines and spirits. There might be like a, a, a meat team. So like steaks and things like that. Then there might be a separate team that does seafood. Then there might be a separate team that does, um, you know, dairy products, for example, separate team that does baking products, etc. And I think, you know, while these teams have meetings and are under one head, sometimes they have their own budgets. Um, and, you know, a good practice in workplace is to give your teams autonomy for decision making, which is good. But if you're a realistic company and you have all that going on, let's say, plus you have your brand team and your design team, and if your design team isn't big enough to, do all the packaging design plus all the web design, all the storefront design, all the email design, all you know, all the typical marketing um, needs that you need a brand design team for. Sometimes you hire freelancers, right? That's like the next natural step is, oh, we have budget to hire a freelancer. Let's hire a freelancer to do this one thing. Um, and that's fine if you have good organizational uh, alignment and coherence. And there's a process on how to do that. But if you don't have that and you have different teams hiring freelancers for design work and then having the uh, business stakeholders being kind of like the uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Gladiator thumbs up, thumbs downing it. And they're the gatekeepers of what gets passed on as product design, packaging design, etc. Then that's when things get a little hairy. Um, so what... I would try to avoid is having all of these one-off designs, particularly for packaging products that different teams are basically um, producing, facilitating, coordinating, etc. It, no matter what, should all funnel through a overarching brand team on some level that might not be doing all the packaging design themselves, but should provide other teams within a business um guidelines rules style guides etc i would go as far to say making um things like besides style guides like just mood boards or internal stylescapes because that's a little bit quicker if there is no style guide that they can go to and they need something you know fast and a brand design team doesn't have much time creating a stylescape uh, might be a good idea. Uh, typically, you use stylescapes more in the agency model where you're working with a client to create a new brand refresh or create a brand from scratch for a client. And that's kind of like one of the early steps to help define and get alignment on um, what the visual elements are going to be. I understand if you work at a company, and you might not have the bandwidth to do that uh, or do a full like style guide. So my point is doing maybe a stylescape is a quicker way to achieve that if the brand team has a good conceptual understanding of what their uh, you know brand design look and feel is supposed to be. 
So that's the first thing. But the point of all this is to make sure everything feels holistic. So if you're, you know, a food company and you sell different, a lot of different kinds of food products, your packaging on your milk versus your packaging on your baking yeast versus your packaging on your, uh, you know, snacks or whatever, it might not be the exact same thing. It might not make sense for it to be the exact same thing. It should be a little bit different. But the point is, at the end of the day, everything should feel cohesive, kind of feel similar, feel the same. So you're not posting surveys on Slack or whatever saying, which one do you like? And then having everyone vote in these one-off instances and then picking the winner and then having all of your winners across your entire brand having completely different looks and feels other than a logo. That's what you want to avoid. Um, So that's point number one is, you know, doing branding 101, having a consistent look and feel for all of your products across the board. Uh... Number two, though, is something that sometimes gets lost and is particularly important for e-com. If you have your own e-commerce website, is looking at your products and your packaging in context. This often um, can be something people don't do because they're so stuck on the design itself. But you got to look at things the way your customers look at them. So what I did for my company when they... Uh, sent out these three versions of this one package is I created product cards, shrunk the sizing of the package designs to fit within our product cards on our website, which is a pretty small product card overall. Um, And I sent it back to them and said, look, these are what these look like in a product card. So this is what people would be seeing. And I explained, um, why my design critiques for each one uh, are so important to be filtered through and interpreted when it comes to looking at things at size on a product card, smaller sizes, harder to see things like logos, harder to see things like, uh, you know, wording, typography, if it's styled in a certain type of typeface, etc., So one thing that should always be part of the process of picking a design for your products is looking at them within a product card because that is how people, in general, if e-commerce is your main gig, how people are first going to see those products and make their decision. You know, they could click to the product detail page perhaps and see it in a bigger size, but a lot of people shop straight from product cards, so you want to accommodate those types of users those types of customers so that is number two looking at things in context at size if you are selling products online designing mock-ups of the packages as part of the design process and looking at them as a product card and not just a standalone design all right number three and this one's getting more in the weeds when it comes to like design aesthetics and things like that but it's the design look and feel should go with the product type. So, for example, one thing that I've seen at my company is we make our own baking products. So we make our own unbleached flour, right? And I've seen concepts where the unbleached flour packaging has all of this really nice, fancy script fonts, um with ornamental flourishes and lines and things like that. And 
it looks nice, you know, it looks nice conceptually, but to me, the problem with it is A, legibility is a little rough on a package that's kind of like a bit bunchy, you know, it's a bag of flour, it's something that you can press and it goes in, it's not, it's not like a wine bottle, right? And it's also flour, it's not a luxury product like wine, high-end chocolate, jewelry, etc. It's flour. It's something that's going to get dirty most bags of flour eventually get dirty anyway so it's just being cautious around like what type of product is it be realistic don't try to pretend your flour or your baking soda is some luxurious thing it's not no one thinks that it is a huge stretch to think that and you better have like a really good reason why this flour is some luxurious flour and not some regular ass baking flour so that's number two. And that's kind of like the basics of brand design is creating um, design concepts and using typefaces that fit the context of what the thing is. It might be tempting to think that, you know, your product is special, therefore it should feel luxurious and yada, yada, yada. But all in all, people aren't dumb. What the overall societal interpretation of what a product is is typically what everyone's going to think everyone thinks flour is not a luxury ingredient therefore you shouldn't design it like it's a luxury ingredient no matter how much you like flour no matter how much you bake on weekends no matter how many seasons of the great british baking show you've binge watched flour ain't anything special so having that awareness i think is critical when it comes to uh packaging design like i remember years ago maybe around 2014 2015 there was this trend in web design where everyone was using these like kind of sleek super thin fonts because apple did it right apple wanted to um create this sense of luxury that's tied to apple products because they are expensive i mean apple products are kind of luxurious they're well designed uh arguably these days, I would argue against that, but back in their glory days, um, so they had these. Re- they had a really thin Helvetica-ish type of font, and then a lot of brands just copied that font. So everyone was using these like little thin weighted um, fonts on their websites, and it was a little bit ridiculous because sometimes the services or the products just didn't fit that kind of Apple luxury muted color palette with whites grays and blacks type of feel um it's kind of like it makes you feel like you're at a european spa or something and everyone was going for that for a hot minute and then people woke up and stopped doing that um so same thing here don't trend hop and don't do what you think looks really cool because it looks luxurious Think about the product, think about what works, look at other packages of the, for that type of product, and generally there will be some sense of uh, reasoning around why those choices in the past with other brands um, were made, and usually when you can see all of those in one mood board or whatever, it typically tends to make sense on why those decisions were made. Um, okay, so the next point is, consult with professionals before sending out a mass survey to the entire company because people 
without design expertise are going to weigh in and you're going to hold them with the same amount of weight as somebody with actual design experience. And that's a little bit problematic. It's kind of like, you know, there would never be a situation where developers like which CSS sheet is the best and have the whole company rate their CSS. You know what I mean? People don't even know what clean CSS even looks like for the most part. A lot of people who don't have any uh, code background or anything to reference to. So why would you do that first with, you know, something that's design concept? I think you should ask the designers first. I understand that that's not a perfect analogy. I realize the packaging design is meant for customers or people without knowledge, but I think when it's in prototype mode, get the designer feedback first, use that to iterate, and then when you're really down to like your last two concepts or whatever, you can, you know, ask more people. But I think it's kind of weird to right off the bat ask all internal employees and you probably consulted with other merchandising people first who also aren't really designers. So it's like, I think you should utilize the people you have in-house that have more of an expertise on this kind of thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy or maybe it's me as someone that's done design for a little while being biased. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that one, but I just think it would make sense to for your first pass to be people with design experience weighing in and then the next round is everybody else but that's just me all right next thing and this is super important is have a clear sense of content hierarchy on your package this is a a universal design principle this isn't just for packaging design this is for user experience design this is for marketing brand design This is for anything, whether you're designing a website, an app, a subway poster, a package, a a sign, like a street, like a road sign. It doesn't matter what it is. Anything where there's a design with words on it, content hierarchy is super important. Basically, what I'm saying there is, in the case of a package design for a product, this has to do with what I said before about... Looking at things at size, if it's an e-commerce company, looking at your products in product card form, not just standalone design. Um, Content hierarchy is basically designing your products in a way where when it comes to the wording, the copy, there's a clear first, second, third, fourth, fifth place, etc. It's about establishing what's the most important thing on your package, on your page. You know, if you're if you're creating a design for a box of cookies, I would presume the word cookies is the most important, or at least, you know, the type of cookie. Um, and then all the other stuff, like where it comes from, or like any dietary details about it would be, you know, second or tertiary. Um, that's what content hierarchy is. It's about Having the first thing being the most important thing that you want to convey to people, the second thing being the second most important thing you want to convey, and the th- third most, etc. What you don't want is the biggest or the first thing people see being the third most important thing from your end. Um, and there's a good way to test this. You could do a one-second test, a two-second test, etc. But basically what you do is you get people to volunteer. You show them the design concept for like one second. 
and then hide it again. And then you ask them, what do you recall when you saw this? Going in, you should have a clear understanding of what you want to hit first, second, third. And then you just compare that with what they say when they, based on their memory, try to recall what they saw. This is big in user experience design, um, but I think it works for any kind of design. It definitely works for packaging design. So content hierarchy is extremely important. And um, to my last point here, on top of just content hierarchy, what all helps define the content hierarchy, besides spacing and things like that, is legibility and contrast. So back to what I said before about having you know some crazy script font on flower, not only is the aesthetic a little bit weird there, but also execution of certain types of typefaces like script fonts on bags that can kind of like change and aren't uh, like a wine bottle where it's always flat. That can be troublesome because script fonts in general are typically harder to read than a plain, you know, sans serif font, for example. So to me, the most important thing is that at a small size, you can actually read the words. And all the ornamental stuff, all the aesthetic choices should be made within this template of knowing you have to have everything be legible. And the other thing is contrast. So when it comes to the color choices of your packaging, there should always be well-defined contrast. So the type is easy to read at a small size, at a big size, etc. You know, doing like a royal blue and a light blue right on top of it with words. That's okay if it's something that's super like unimportant and it's just kind of like an extra detail. But if it's one of the main things you're trying to sell to your customers or let them know. So if it's like you know, salted butter, and it's a box, and the salted is a light blue type on a royal blue background, let's say, you know, that's a pretty key aspect of the product. Or if it's that was butter, that would be even worse. If it was like light blue on mid-royalish blue, and the word butter, the word butter can get lost if there's an excess amount of design elements and other words that might be in uh, color that has better contrast like white or something so it's paying attention to that and along with having a content hierarchy in terms of like sizing also making sure the color choices being made contrast well where you need them and the font and typeface choices being made I should say typeface not font that's like a, a design nerd thing is if you say font a lot of times a designer will be like it's a typeface a font is a family of typefaces for the what you know what I mean they just go into this whole diatribe between the difference between fonts and typefaces so anyway making sure that the typeface that you want to be legible is legible and not trying to define something as luxurious and sacrificing that distinction so those are my main points when it comes to packaging design it's having a holistic brand that's cohesive throughout all your products so they all have the same kind of look and feel look at things in context if you're an e-commerce company making your own products when you're figuring out what your design for your products packaging is going to be look at them at size look at them on a product card look at them on a product detail page Look at them big, look at them tiny, and help, you know, use all those different sizes to help make your decision easier. Um, And then think about what the product type is. Think about the 
aesthetic choices you want to make that's realistically tied to that product. So if you have, you know, expensive makeup, the styles you can use could be one thing. Whereas if you're selling flour, um, the style should probably be a bit different than high-end makeup or wine or chocolate or etc. And then also when it comes to getting feedback, maybe consult with people with design experience first. I don't know. And then, you know, bring it to the full group. And then content hierarchy. So making sure the thing you want to hit first always hits first, then second, third, etc. Et you know, have a clear uh, defined order of preference when it comes to the different words on your packaging and how well they, you know, hit or resonate with a customer. And then to kind of go along with that, make sure that you have correct contrast when it comes to color usage and sizing and uh, legibility, which has to also do with color usage, sizing, weighting, but also uh, the typeface and the, you know, if you have illustrations or little flourishes and design elements, how those all play together. Um, that'll help define the legibility as well. So those are my points when it comes to packaging design. This was based off of a real-life occurrence that happened this week where I saw some things where I was just like, what? You know, it's kind of just like record scratcher. And I was just like, oh, they went down a uh, dark, dark path on this one. So I tried to help. The feedback was anonymous. I ain't trying to get no credit for none of this. I'm just trying to help the damn cause. Um, so, yeah, that about does it for me today. We're about a half hour in. Um, if you guys have any comments about packaging design or design for e-commerce products, um, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts, questions, etc. Hit us up, as always, at notrocketscienceshow at gmail.com or on Twitter or Instagram at NRS underscore show. That's at NRS underscore show. Also, if you like the show, leave a review on the podcast. Stour of your choice. Alrighty. I am Sean. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you guys, if you're you know getting your entrepreneur on and you're trying to come up with your own brands and doing the e-commerce thing, got some value out of this um and yeah hope you guys have a great week thank you and until next time peace